Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks Snow Ship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, we're going to be talking about human design. Now, if you're scratching your head and thinking, what is human design? We're going to get deep into what human design is. But on the surface, human design has been an incredibly useful tool for me to understand myself better. And, you know, I always talk about on this podcast about anything that can help us understand our true selves, like our true nature, is an incredibly powerful tool on our journey of reinvention. And so today, my guest is Raven Scott, who is a jack of all trades. She is a podcast host of Empath and Narcissist Abuse Survivor. So we'll get into her story a little bit. She is also a human design expert and a coach at the Get More Listeners Academy. And Raven believes that we are all unique and have a purpose that our energetic blueprint can reveal to us. And I love that because so many of us at this midlife juncture are searching for the meaning or purpose of our life and wanting to like leave it a legacy or an impact in some way. And understanding our true selves and our purpose purpose is incredibly empowering. Like I have found it very empowering. So welcome, Raven. Happy to have you on the show today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit, first of all, about, I want to know why you got into human design because there's always a good story behind the why, but tell us first what human design actually is. Yes. So human design is similar to an astrology chart. It combines quite a few different ancient ideas and concepts or practices So we have the first one, though, is modern. So it's uh, modern, the science of neutrinos, combined with astrology, I Ching, Kabbalah, the chakra system. And all of these together form your energy blueprint and kind of give you a roadmap or a code as to what is your major theme and personality in life and almost like what makes you tick and why are you here on Earth? And it's, I think, the most powerful way to find your true essence, your authentic Mm. soul self. Yeah. So one of the things that understanding human design and having my chart read, and we're going to get into my chart because I'm going to be a bit of a guinea pig (laughs) in today's show. So I'm going to be sharing elements of my chart and saying and talking about how I found them useful. But overall, human design allowed me to embrace parts of myself that I was actually making wrong. Like my true way of being didn't necessarily fit the mold that I wanted it to fit. And I was making myself all kinds of wrong for not being a certain way. And understanding that I wasn't actually built to be that way was incredibly freeing and empowering for me to embrace more of who I was. Yeah. And it's funny growing up, I remember my parents always saying, well, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a handbook. And then I was introduced to human design. I was like, actually, there's a handbook right here. I know exactly how to parent and like treat my children energetically. And it's so awesome. Yeah, because. Um, But I guess, yeah, it was invented in the 1984. So yes, when they were parents, they didn't have human design. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because. In my life, what I realized, you know, early on in my reinvention journey was that I had checked all the boxes and followed all of the ways I thought I should be. So go to school, get a good job, you know, (laughs) rise through the corporate ranks and then get a fat retirement plan and sail off into the sunset. Right. And along the way, there would always be this kind of like little niggling in the back of my brain going, is this it? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, is this my life? Right. I never knew what to do with this niggling because first of all, I had invested so much to get to where I was. Right. So I reached my kind of corporate objective or where I wanted to be, was feeling very unfulfilled. And, you know, so I had invested a lot to get to where I was. And then the other part was I didn't know what was possible outside of what I was doing because I hadn't ever experienced it. Right. And I feel like so many women in my generation, because that's the way we were brought up is like, get a good job work till you retire. And then that's it. And there's so many of us who reach this juncture who are like, oh God, this can't be it. <laughs> like, please tell me there has to be something more. And the more I think is where human design has led me so beautifully. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. 
I relate. So what got you into wanting to know more into studying human design? Yeah, very similar. Um, I was much younger. I feel like I had my midlife crisis at my first Saturn return. I was 28 and I was in an abusive relationship with a narcissist emotionally like that was an emotional roller coaster. I was a situational alcoholic. We were together in just misery. And I also was working in corporate and I made all of my top sales goals. I made project manager. I was in management in my 20s and I felt like, is this it? And it wasn't very fulfilling. Do I want to make things pretty my entire life as an interior designer? No, like I, I just felt like it was an empty shell of a career. And so when that whole spiritual awakening happened with leaving my ex, you know, due to some very harsh realities and his abuses, I finally woke up. And then so when I left, I was like, well, he can't control anything about me. And he kept saying like, stay at your job. We need your income. Stay, stay, stay. So I quit my job kind of without a plan, which was not very smart, but I felt like so oppressed for so long that I quit and started this new business, met my current partner now two weeks later. Don't advise getting together right after (laughs) a toxic relationship, but thankfully it worked out for me. And I just went on this crazy spiritual journey of healing. And I was part of this coaching program to be a coach. And this one lady said, hey, I'm offering free human design readings you know, anyone want. And I'm like, that sounds interesting. Like I've tried it all. I've tried all the different, you know, personality types and healing modalities. And um, yeah, I sat down and when she read me my chart, just the basics, nothing too deep. I was like, wow, this, I really relate to this. And I finally feel seen and heard. And all of my frustrations, which is part of my not self theme, similar to yours, is frustration. I was like, all of my frustrations, like it makes sense now. Yeah. I'm like, this makes sense of why I'm always pushing in like a round peg into a square hole and it not working yeah. it's because I'm not going with the flow of my energy and my chart. And it just opened up everything to me, my eyes, my spiritual path. Yeah. Almost like my purpose, right? Cause it teaches you what your, your purpose and your theme is. And it was just mind blowing. It was just cool. So I just kept diving deeper and going down the rabbit holes of studying it and, you know, yeah. through Ra and Karen Curry. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Now I'm helping others find their unique print. Yeah. I mean, in human design, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. I mean, human design is a deep, deep hole. <laughs> and, you know, you kind of have to start at the top in a very kind of simple way. And, you know, like I said, I first discovered my chart maybe or my type about like two years ago. And it's something that I keep coming back to. And every time I come back, I go a little bit deeper because it's a little bit overwhelming to take it all in. And the other part was about my chart, which we are going to get into, was I wanted to I guess I was coming into it a little bit skeptical, right? And it was almost like I needed to be with little bits of information for a while to fully absorb it. And it was like these realizations about myself kind of were unfolded. It wasn't like some things were a big like, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Other things, it was like, oh, really? And then I'd be like, you know, going about my business and, you know, going, oh, yeah, okay, I do get energy from that. Oh, yeah, that is totally draining me. But it gave me a framework to understand these feelings that I had, right? That I yeah. were kind of making wrong. So, you know, we're going to go through my chart today and we're, we'll, we'll talk about it at a top line. And anybody who's like super peaked and who is like a good detail brain and wants to like dive all the way in, we're going to keep Raven's information at the top of the show notes <laughs> so that you can reach out <laughs> and do your own deep dive with her. But I thought it would be helpful. Yeah. And I can pull their free chart too, just to give it them a brief overview. They're like, what is this? I've never pulled my chart. How do I pull my chart? I just reach out to me. I can pull your free chart. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to at least, well, to share my type, share my chart and just like have a little bit of a conversation about how I am learning about myself and how it has been a useful tool for me. Yeah. I'm going to share your chart. So for those of you who are just listening, Raven is showing me my chart on a shared screen here. So for those of you on the video, you can see what it is. (laughs) And my type is what's called a manifesting generator. So can you Mm -hmm. give a little bit of an overview as to what a manifesting generator is? (laughs) Yes. So there are five different types and yours is the 33 percentile in the population where there's something very similar, which is called the generator, which is the other 37 percent. And then the other types, projector 20%, manifestor 9%, and reflector 2, uh, 1%, sorry, 1%. 
kind of make up the total of all of us. So we're all like puzzle pieces. So our type tells us a bit more about our energy types. So as a manifesting generator, you are the queen of multitasking. You've got so many, especially with your open head center, so many ideas and projects going at one time. Maybe you have three to five books on your nightstand that you've got going. Yeah, you you thrive with like, you can't just sit and do one thing. You thrive actually doing multiple things. Otherwise, you feel like you're not using your energy wisely. You, I mean, maybe when you are studying or learning something or you, you learn something now, you zigzag through the process. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, well, I totally see the end result here. So I don't need to like muck up through the middle. Like you'll go to the end of a book or the end of something, or you don't read the instructions or you're trying to like put something together. And then you may realize, well, I probably should go back and read this one part of the instructions. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like you are the queen of shortcuts. Oh, okay. I, I feel very <laughs> seen because I'm always like, and I say this to my husband who likes to tell me story like detail at a time leading somewhere. And I said to him, can you tell me the end? And then we can go back and fill in the details afterwards. And he's like, but all of this leads somewhere. And I'm like, but I need to know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can, I cannot absorb the details until I know what the end is. And then I can go backwards and fill in the blanks. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Do you know what he is? What is his type? Is he a generator? Actually, you know what? We've, I've never done his type, but I think we're going to have to do that at some point. <laughs> yeah. That's, chart. that's fun too, because all of these little, like we call them hanging gates. There's these little defined circles in a center then they don't connect to anywhere. It's fun to look at your your partner's chart next to yours and see how many of those complete a circuit. And like mm. that's like the best place that you guys can focus on being teammates in. Interesting. I actually never thought about it as a relationship tool, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel very seen by what you just said. And you know, the multitasking piece, like I used to always think that I must be like ADD or something because I can't focus on one thing for too long. And then it's like, I need to shift gears. And that was part of myself that I made wrong. I'm like, I need to learn to focus better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You get so down on yourself because all the generators in the world are like, why can't you just focus? Like you got to do the middle steps here, especially in school, right? Yeah. You got to show your work, do all this. And you're like, but I already know the answer. Like, it's right here. Why do I need to show you all my work? (laughs) Yeah. And so what that looks like practically for me is I'm very much an idea person. Like I have a million ideas all the time and I start on all of them. (laughs) Yes. Well, and that's also your, your head center is open. We have all these different centers and that also governs a lot of our energies. So the head center is where you receive inspiration and ideas. So you could go to the river and fill up an entire bucket of ideas And yes, if you are not wise about which ones are yours and which ones are for other people, then you'll think because you have that energy in your sacral center that you can just do them all. And because you're the manifester, you have that powerful initiating power. Yeah. You're like, why not? Let's just start them all. Yeah. And so what's been interesting for me is I start them all and then I will just lose interest in some, right? In the losing interest in it, is that the part where I'm like, oh, this isn't really for me? Like, I just like lose energy about that particular thing? Yeah. And the manifesting generator has a very hands-on experimental type of creativity process. You don't sit down and plan it out like a scientist who's like, okay, if A happened, you know, if A is this and B is this, then this will happen. Like business plans probably are not your forte. Like you just want to get the business going, right? Like <laughs> So <laughs> okay, I feel very seen again. So yes. Is, yeah. Exposed so I would say, yeah, use your emotional authority, which is the other big element to understand about yourself is that you have a defined emotional center. If we scroll here, that's this brown triangle here. It's called the solar plexus mm-hmm. and it's where the emotions are governed. And this for you is cyclical. It's like the tide's. So you need to write out the waves of these new ideas. Maybe just have a journal always, write them down and then go through each one and kind of feel out how you feel about them. And after that emotion cycle has gone high, like you're super stoked, you've got a hundred ideas of how to start it. And then you go into the neutral and then you're like questioning, like, I don't know, I kind of fizzed out about this idea. I don't know. And then you ride that wave all the way to the next point. It's almost like a clock. It goes around to that second neutral point. That's when you can really evaluate, how do I 
feel about this idea? Am I still excited? Is it still a good idea? Or was it an idea that I need to kind of put on a post-it note and save for somebody I meet one day? And it's like that idea is there for them. Yeah, that's interesting because so when you talk about this emotional center, like mm-hmm. what, what exactly does that really mean? Is that like, well, as in I feel happy and sad about it? Or is it like just like an energy experience of energy? It's like your actual emotions about it. Yeah. Like let's say, for instance, it's always a classic meme about the solar plexus manifesting generator is that someone will invite you to a party and you say yes right away. And then later that evening when the party is starting to like get closer and you have to get ready to go to the party, all you want to do is put your pajamas on and veg on Netflix all night. And you're like, I regret saying yes, right? Because you said too quickly to a commitment and now you don't want to go because you felt all the way through those emotions. You're like, I really don't want to go out. I don't feel it. You know, like you Mm -hmm. feel Mm. icky about that. You just committed to somebody that you're going to go out. And you're like, no, no, I regret this. Yeah. So that's been a really key one for me is understanding that part of like that part of my energy and giving myself permission to change my mind on things. Like because I said yes, then doesn't mean like that it needs to be a yes all the way through. Or the other thing it's given me permission on is to say, okay, let me think about it and get back to you because I can't make that decision right off the top of my head. And again, this was something that I used to make myself so wrong for. Like, why aren't I a quicker decision maker? Other people can like think on their feet and I need to take time. Like what's wrong with me? Right. And just understanding that I need, I need processing time. It just felt a little bit freeing. Yeah. It's not wrong to not know right away. Yeah. It's actually very wise to just give yourself time. But here's the thing, right? And this is where it was incredibly valuable for me was that I was raised in a corporate culture and there are certain things that are valued in the corporate culture that were not part of my true nature. Things like quick decision making, you know, focusing to the completion of an idea, all of that kind of stuff. And I was, because that was what I was conditioned is the right way to be, right? Because I didn't fit that, it felt really uncomfortable. And I was expending a lot of energy trying to make myself fit that mold. Yeah. Right. And so, absolutely. And so for anybody listening and I'm going to say to people listening, before you really listen to this episode, or you might want to go back and listen again, pull up your chart, because if there is an area of your life where you are feeling frustrated, where you're trying to feel like you need to, where you're not fitting in, where you're trying to force yourself to fit a mold or a relationship or a situation or whatever it is, chances are you are doing something that goes against your natural programming, your authentic programming. And understanding your human design and how you are actually wired to be, like in the cosmos, in the universe, how you are wired to be is incredibly freeing and giving you permission to step back from that thing and making a decision about, do I want to continue on that? Or is there a way that I can make this work better for me? Yeah, because I think all of us, we all have ego, right? And we all get unconscious about moving through the world, thinking that everybody thinks like us, views life like us, does stuff like us. And until you expand your mind and just become conscious and aware that we all have a unique energetic way of being, it opens up those potentialities to allow, like to soften the judgment, to allow somebody to have time to, you know, Take time to make a decision. No pressure. Mm -mm. You know, you don't need to have all of your math work worked out or your business plan mapped out. I would definitely advise it so you have something. But, you know, like if you have a vision, maybe then delegate or just take a moment. It's not it's not like a pressure to do something. One it's not it's not one way or the highway. We're all unique pieces of the puzzle. You know, what was interesting too is in my corporate life. So I'm a big idea person, as I said, and I would have the ideas, but in my corporate life, I had like a whole team where I'd be like, here's the idea. You guys will figure out how to make it work. And that was great for me. Now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, oh, I am now the big idea person and the make it happen person. (laughs) And then trying to figure out, okay, how do, and this is maybe where you can answer this question is, how do I work? Because with the make it happen part of it, when it's not actually like, I'm more comfortable in the idea space. Like, how do I work with my energetic type then to do the things that maybe aren't nat- come natural to me? 
Yeah. And that's where we get back to the strategy. Mm. Your strategy for you as a, and that's your type. So every type has their own strategy of how to flow through the river rather than fighting against the river or being stuck against a rock. And yours is to inform. You have kind of a two part inform and then wait to respond. Mm. So I still think as an entrepreneur, it'd be good to have maybe like a network of other entrepreneurs that you can get some feedback off of and be able to inform them of an idea or something that you plan on doing and then wait to respond and see like who chimes in, who already has done that and says, oh yeah, that's a great idea, but don't do it this way. Like they've already figured out the middle part, you know, and start to kind of get feedback and comments related to that in responses and interesting because I am a huge proponent of and have always well for the last like four years belonged to a mastermind group which is exactly kind of what I do with that is like here's the idea and I actually part of me and you can tell me if this is in my chart or not is part Mm -hmm. of making an idea real and feeling into the energy of it is vocalizing it right Mm -hmm. and when I say things out loud I can much quicker read the energy of it as opposed to when it's in my head and it gets all like clouded up and all the other things. Right. So yeah, I have an idea that feels like really big. I speak it and I will say this to my mastermind group and in the process of speaking it, I'm actually going, Oh yeah, this feels good. Or it doesn't feel good. Is that part of my chart? That is part of your chart. And what I see here is your sacral has a double circuit connecting to your throat. So it's that doing of like, okay, like, I see the vision. I have the idea. Like we can do this. Like, and you start to push up and speak through to your, yeah, your throat center. Mm. Absolutely. There are a few defined in your Ajna that are pushing down, but they don't quite connect. So I can see where it gets kind of like foggy and like disjointed in the head, but in the doing part, it really has a strong connection up to your throat. Yeah. So what do you mean about the like the thinking about it part. So when you said it doesn't quite connect as in, I won't be clear on the idea while I'm just thinking about it. I need to start taking action in order to, is that what you're saying with that? Well, what I'm saying is you were saying like in your, your thoughts, if you don't speak it, it gets kind of confused and foggy because you're, you're amplifying a whole bunch of different concepts. You're open. Ajna right here is you have the inspiration from your head. It pushes down into your Ajna And, but these are both amplifiers. Hmm. There have a plethora of ideas and now you have a plethora of solutions. So you're like, I have literally a hundred ways that I could do this idea and none of it quite makes sense yet until you speak it out. And when you're in the mastermind, there is someone in that group, I guarantee you that has something connected on the other side in the throat. So like, let's say your 43 is uh, defined in your idea center. And they have their 23 defined when you get together just in that group that creates a circuit. And so it helps you speak Mm -hmm. out ideas a lot easier by connecting those puzzle pieces. (sighs) Yet another proof point for why community is so important. Like I believe this with my whole being that we weren't meant to do these things alone, right? And that when we are part of a group, we're magnified, like all of us are magnified. And it's actually one of the things I'm in the process of creating right now is a place for that to happen. But this, what you just like, is like a tangible representation of kind of what I, what I know. <laughs> um, yeah, and that, like I know it, but I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that why my mastermind group is so valuable, because like I said, I can go and speak the idea to them and then they reflect back to me and I have this like sense of clarity about it, either yes or no, one way or the, oh, I should keep going on this, or maybe I won't do it, or maybe I, you know, I'm going to cut off these five ways I could do it. And I'm going to focus on these two ways, right? Like, but whatever it is that comes out of my mouth, it comes, it's mirrored back to me with a greater sense of clarity. And so that was very uh, intuitive Mm -hmm. for me, but like now you've just provided the validation that's like, oh, that's in fact what you're supposed to be doing. That's the beauty of human design. (sighs) It's powerful. It's an incredibly powerful tool. I might, again, I'm encouraging everybody listening, just go pull up your type and start learning about it because it's incredibly free. One question I want to ask you is about the way to respond piece of it. Like what that yeah. actually means. Because I get confused here a lot. What am I waiting for? Yeah. What? <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
So it's not like you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs because that's torture for us to find sacral beings. Like we have so much energy. We've got to exercise. We've got to work hard. we got to do all this stuff, right? We've got to expend our energy. So what you're doing is you are doing what you love just for the sake that you love it, right? So you're not doing it for any other outcome than this. And I can just give you a tangible example. I loved when I got my human design chart read. I love it so much. I love podcasting. And so just doing that, like with zero expectations of what I was going to get out of it, I then, you know, just was doing it. Of course, I was sharing it because that's just what we do in life. And so people see you just being who you are, doing what you enjoy, really with no expectations. And then they, they start to respond to you. So you're essentially waiting, but while you, like, you do what you love while you're waiting, and then opportunities will start to come your way. People will say, hey, can you be a guest on my show? Mm. Or, hey, you're really amazing. Like, can you please pull my chart? Or I'm, you know, I really would love to hear more about this or this. And you just, this is why I love on social media for, you know, us types that wait to respond. It's really perfect. Like, let's say you're, you're in business or you want to find a mastermind or a group in the comments is where we thrive, is responding to people's inquiries and responding mm. to things just like in the conversation. Because if there's no response, then there's no human interaction. Okay. So this is another thing that just like fell into place as you were talking was, so I do a fair bit of speaking and I love when I have speaking opportunities where people can ask me questions like in the middle rather than me just being a talking head and it being one way. I find that very like disconnecting and I kind of drain as I'm going, like I can start with a really high energy, but I'll get drained. If there's opportunity for people to ask questions kind of as we're going, or I have pauses in the middle where people can ask me questions. I then though answering those questions fuels me up so that I can continue going on as opposed to just being that talking head. So that's a new learning today. I love that. That's it. That's exactly it. It's just that bouncing of energies and responding. Yeah. yeah. Being able to respond actually is a positive energy for me. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So like, what do you think, or like for you, so understanding your chart, let's talk about you for a second. What has been the biggest gift for you in understanding your human design? I think just blowing all of the lies and conditioning out of the water. Mm. I personally, in my chart, I have an open solar plexus and an open will. And those to me, I actually also an open root. And I can cover what each one are, but in combination, that makes me a people pleaser a codependent by conditioning and an anxious attachment person in relationships when you're unaware, when all those are open, because when we're open, we're amplifying. Mm. So I was amplifying everyone's agendas. I was amplifying everybody's emotions and feeling like I had to prove myself and like do it quickly and, and feel like to relieve the pressure. So once I discovered that, I was like, oh, nope. These doors are closing here. I'm putting up screens here and I'm going to do all of my energetic hygiene, spiritual hygiene practices to make sure that I can keep these shielded while still, you know, holding space, especially in my house, because I had two, when I found this out, I had two babies and my husband was a defined solar plexus. And those people set the tone of the emotion in the room. And so when I had three of them and I was unconscious that I was amplifying it, it was causing a lot of stress and anxiety and unhealthy dynamics in my relationships with all of them. So I was like, oh my gosh, finally, like I can just detach myself. Like this is not my emotion. I can hold space for you, but it's not mine. And that was really powerful. Interesting. So this concept of understanding conditioning versus your own authentic, who you are authentically, let me just say that. Can human design help you understand where, where your conditioning is and where you're being your normal, your natural, authentic self? Absolutely. And that's the biggest part of being able to reinvent yourself and erase all of those lies that have been conditioned. So just off the top, if you're unaware and unconscious, I can safely say that all of your white centers, which are called open centers, mm -hmm you've been conditioned in. Now, you also can be conditioned in your defined centers. If there's heavy conditioning there, you have 
you know, maybe a parent who also has it defined. And so they're really conditioning you in a certain way. But for sure, all those those open centers. Okay. So I'm looking at my chart right now and I see in the middle, there's a big white square. (laughs) Yeah. What? I know. I keep looking at that when I just talked to you about that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just establish this baseline again. So what is open versus defined mean? Before yeah, so open is an amplifier. Okay. So you're receiving the energy. So imagine the whites are like a radio. Okay. They are receiving the energy or the frequency. And the defined centers are like the radio station pumping out the oh, frequency. Gotcha. Okay. And so the white are receiving and amplifying. Okay. So, so you unconsciously, let's talk about this. Um, big white blob in the middle. <laughs> not quite a diamond, but yeah, it's like the turn square. Yeah. It's called the identity center. This is the center of self-love, self-worth, like the ego. Who are you? And the beauty of this, when you are conscious, is you get to experience a variety of yous as you, Jennifer. You are not like this one consistent, solid, rock solid, like this is always me. When you're unaware, you can easily be pulled into the wrong crowds or you start to kind of mimic people you're around unconsciously because you're amplifying how they feel about themselves or like, it's hard to say feel because it's not really a feeling, but it is like the identity of them kind of you, you amplify it. So it's really a superpower for a coach, which you also have in your profile because you can just sit in the room and be like, I know exactly how this person thinks and feels about themselves, like their identity. And I can help them shift that right into self-love and self-worth. So this one, yeah, when you, you're um, amplifying other people's identity. Ooh, okay. I felt that one. Like I, okay. I'm feeling that in all the places as you were talking, because this explains, again, this is a new learning for me right here today, folks, you're hearing it for the first time is this concept that I talked about of, you know, checking all of the boxes, doing everything that I thought I should do again, not coming from me, but coming from somebody else. Right. And creating my identity around those things that I thought I should be doing. Right. And trying to mold myself to fit (laughs) that expectation, whether it be family, societal, corporate culture, like whatever it would be, would just, I would twist and mold myself to fit into that box. Yeah. And that like, that is described right there. And so at the lowest point, like of my breakdown before reinvention, the question I kept asking myself is, who am I? I don't even know who I am. Like, you know, I'm no longer a wife. I'm no longer a mother. I have no job right now. And I'm bedridden with a stress-related illness. And I have no idea who I am or what I want for my life. Like, it was just like this huge realization that without the roles and responsibilities that were assigned to me along the way, I didn't exist, mm. which is exactly what yeah. you just reflected back to me. And the process of reinvention has really been me discovering all of these things about myself that I didn't even know existed. Ooh, that's big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big one. But awareness brings transformation. Right. But it, you got to swallow the big pill first. And it's a beautiful thing to be aware because when you're not aware, you'll just continue in the cycle and you'll never be able to reinvent yourself consciously. So is the question that I should be asking myself here is, or maybe this is the process. Tell me if I'm right or wrong here. As in when I find myself in a place where somebody is expecting something of me, the question is, is that really me? Or is that really what I want? Is that kind of how I should be using that? Like, because I could easily get sucked into whatever it is they want me to be and amplify it. How do, like, what is the practice to discern when I'm being sucked in and whether it's something that's really true to my nature, I guess, is my question. Yeah. Well, first, being aware that you do feel a variety of Jennifer's and you're like, okay, is this my true essence or is this theirs? That's when you tap into your inner authority. So again, going back to feeling through the cycles and asking your question, is this expectation or does this expectation feel authentic to me? Is this really my expectation or am I amplifying the other person's? Mm. I mean, the easiest way to do that also is to remove yourself from their aura, which is get out of space from them. So go outside, 
say goodbye, go ponder and feel through that outside of their aura. So you can get a real clean read on the energy. Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. Or the other thing, uh, one of the things that I learned in my own spiritual practice was the idea of cutting cords from the person. Right. And so, right. Cutting cords and then being like, okay, now I'm in my own energy. How do I still think about this? Yeah. Yeah. And for you feel, you feel about it. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, how do I feel about it? Okay. Let's talk about the other big white blob that's at the top of my head. (laughs) Yeah. That's the head center. That's where you see seeds of inspiration, ideas, inspirations, the original, you know, all the inventions start at the head center. This is white. So you can feel very overwhelmed. You also have the ability to read people's minds in a way. It's kind of weird. You're like, wow, I was just thinking that Mm -hmm. if there's a defined head center anywhere in the room around you, or you're like in conversation, you can just look at each other and you know what they're thinking Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. If you're really, you know, aware of this and you're fine tuning your practice. Yeah. And it's just a place of a whole variety, you know, and you'll, you'll receive a variety of ways. People also with this, like if they close their eyes, like let's say you're meditating, you have a variety of ways you experience meditation. Whereas someone with a defined head, they always maybe see the same thing. They're always in the same space. You may one time experience colors. You may one time experience actual visualizations. Like you just have a beautiful variety of ways that you receive information and inspiration. Mm, That is very true. That is very, very true. Like there's, again, this was something that I was like, oh, I used to say to myself, well, maybe I'm just not doing this right. Like it should look this way. (laughs) Right. And understanding that that's not necessarily the case has been very freeing for me. Yeah. So deep wisdom. Oh yeah. So what I want to say about this and, you know, in something that's more useful for everybody than my chart is that understanding these open and these defined centers, you know, and I just learned new things today. I mean, I already knew some stuff, but like I just learned new things today is really the depth or the juice of us understanding like, you know, like we were just talking about natural tendency versus, you know, where am I being pulled by other people's energy situations, stuff like that, which again, like you said, awareness is gold, basically, right? Because as soon as we're aware of that's that is a tendency for me, then I can I know what to do. And this is the other thing that I love about the chart is like the understanding what it is that I need to do to get back to the truth of who I am. Yeah. Right. Because the world yeah, and it gives you exactly who you are authentically. So if you're like reinventing yourself, there's a roadmap right there for you to be like, I know now the right direction, like the right next step to take on my path. Versus going, oh, well, maybe this, well, this is the thing too that drives me crazy. Maybe this one coach who's selling this one program who says it's the only way to do it, that must be the way I need to reinvent myself. And it's like, no, you need to follow your unique energy blueprint. Yeah. And that's the other thing because the world is a very, very noisy place and everybody wants us to be something or someone that in most cases is advantageous for them or is helpful for them. Right. And this is where we get pulled off track in relationships at work and all these, these things where we get pulled out of our natural way of being that feels so uncomfortable. But like, if we don't understand our own natural way of being, we don't know when we've been pulled out of it. (laughs) We just know we feel exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know your inner authority, you can never really truly check in like, is this right? And that's what I love about the human design gives you that strategy already of how to really check in with your intuition and your authentic like decision making power. So if there's somebody who's listening who is at this place where can't keep living the way that I'm living, whether it be career, you know, relationship, whatever situation it might be, is in I know I need to change and I know there's something different. And they're going to their chart now, like they're like, okay, I'm going to go pull my human design chart. Like, what's the first thing that you would cover with somebody? Like, what's the first place that they should start to understand, I guess? Yeah, you always start with your type and know what your strategy is. Okay. And what's define strategy again for me? The strategy is for you as a manifesting generator, it's to inform and wait to respond. Mm. And then there's different strategies for each type. Right. So understand your strategy. So that's kind of the top line of who you are. Is that kind of it? 
I'm, that's just the first place I would start. Right. Yes. yes. The second, I think most important is the knowing your inner authority, right? Knowing how to check in that your intuition is correct. Because like you said, so much noise, people, culture, all, everything is telling you so much information and confusing you and making you question and becoming too logical outside of your intuition. So your inner authority gives you how to tap into your intuition. Right. So in my case, then my strategy is to inform and to wait to respond. Right. Mm-hmm. Then next, I have that kind of emotional center where I need to like feel into like whatever it is. Like, how do I feel about it? Feel through the whole cycle. The whole yeah. Cycle. You have a very consistent emotional cycle. Yeah. Right. Like, I bet you if you kept a journal for a month, you'd know like what time you were in your low part of your cycle and your high part of your cycle. Oh, interesting. I mean, interesting. interesting. It's kind of, for everyone's different, but everyone does have a consistent pattern. Cycle. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I'll have to pay attention to that one. And then what's the next thing people should understand about their type? So their authority, their, sorry, sorry, their strategy, their inner authority, which for me is emotional, right? And then what's the next thing? Yeah. And then when I pull your chart for everyone, if you want to reach out, I share with you your centers. So specifically your open centers, like I said, those are the most vulnerable when you're unconscious. I always describe them as like an open back door to your house. Like there's no lock on it. There's no screen. Your windows and your doors are open to every, everything Mm -hmm. to come in and just invade your house and steal and do whatever, you know? So that's really important to know because they are also, as much as they are our vulnerabilities, once we're aware, they're our biggest places for our wisdom and our growth. Oh, interesting. Oh, I yeah. love that. Because then once you are aware and once you start to screen yourself and once you start to tap into that, that becomes your empathic superpower. You're like, oh, okay, I got this now. Like, like I said, you can feel how other people's feel a feel about themselves. So therapists and coaches who have that open identity center, aware and honed in, yeah, they can be very powerful in helping people transform. Mm. And I love the analogy that you just used about, you know, your open centers. And I hadn't heard it described this way before, but the visual of it is very powerful for me. You know, being your, there's your house and all your windows and doors are open and people could come in and traipse through your house <laughs> and leave their muddy footprints yeah. all over your floor. And then they're gone again. And there you are left with all the muddy footprints. That is in fact, your conditioning or what you've taken on from that thing. I'm like, that's brilliant. Actually, it's yeah. a brilliant analogy. I love it. I use it all the time on right now in the Tuesday series. I'm doing all the centers. I'm talking about the vulnerabilities of each center, the toxic interactions, because again, my podcast is Empath and the Narcissist, and then how to heal and guard that center. So yeah, I'm always talking about like closing that back door, lock it up, <laughs> put the screen up. You can still shine your beautiful superpower out. But just don't be a sponge and don't let them come in. Yeah. So understanding those places where your house is wide open. Where you're open. Incredibly powerful. Wow. And then, so the closed or the defined centers then, so are those analogous to like your strengths or your, like, how would you describe those? I would say so. They're also a really great area for growth as well, as far as softening, being flexible, Because for instance, if you have a defined Ajna center, head and Ajna, you're going to have a very black and white way of life. And you're going to be looking through it through your own lens and think everyone else should be thinking just like you. Like there's kind of one way or there's very few solutions to a problem. And you'll, if you're not being aware and conscious, you will butt heads with an open Ajna center person who is like, Oh no, but there's these beautiful, they'll be the devil's advocate and they'll poke and prod the the defined Ashna center. And they'll say, there's five different, you know, solutions I see here, you know, that are beautiful and plausible. And the defined center who's like super toxic and um, not aware. They're like, nope, only one way. <laughs> uh, you again, just described to me and my husband. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, this is the only way. <laughs> You've had to learn to right. work with that one. I think you should definitely pull this chart so you can be aware together of your energy types. I'm so doing it. I'm I'm so doing it. And the other thing I was going to ask, so like, for example, in my chart where I have defined sacral, is that Mm -hmm. right? Did did you say that defined sacral? Yes, you have a defined sacral. Yes. So what does that exactly mean? That sacral is the center for, it connects to the sacral chakra. It's the doing energy. Mm -hmm. So you have like the energizer bunny, consistent energy like it's like a motor system 
So that's what I was saying earlier. I was joking that it's really hard for us generators and manifesting generators to wait to respond because we're doers. Like we don't want to wait. Mm. What are you talking about? Wait. But it's like just like waiting for the right timing of an opportunity. So while you wait, do what you love. So, you know, if you love woodworking, just keep making the wood and sharing out of passion. And then doors will open and people will start asking for orders or whatever the example is, you know. So this is something that I learned. And thank you for articulating the way that you just did was part of my growing up was or, you know, my conditioning coming up through the corporate world was that I had to be productive in every single solitary moment. And doing something that I love was not considered productive because what I really love to do is to go out into the woods and, you know, to have space and to do that kind of thing. Well, you can't really do that in the corporate world, right? Like, oh, bye, I'm going into the woods for a while, right? No, you had to be productive in every moment. And so I came to associate my worth with being productive and the doing, which I had the energy mm. to do, but I also wasn't leaving the space or the right timing of things. Like I was forcing things a lot, right? And now recognizing um, that, yeah, now recognizing that I actually have to create the space, you know, and then honor the timing of things. And in the process, instead of just like doing and trying to force it to happen quicker and getting impatient with it is to do what I love, even if that means going for a walk in the woods, which I do often, right? And knowing yeah. that is actually helping the cause. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to, to that point, that is the beauty of your defined root. You also have your root is defined. That also is on a cycle. The root is like when to do stuff. So you just described in the corporate world, the toxic open root. Prove, 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 push, push, push. Just keep amplifying this doing energy and just like keep doing it. Don't rest. Like just get it all done. Like there's so much pressure to get everything to do list done, you know, in one day. Mm -hmm. And you're like, no, there's time for rest. Like when you have a defined root, that's the wisdom where you already have within you. That's like, we should be more like the moon. Like we should be resting, taking vacations. Like how come vacations aren't like European time, right? Like this yeah. should. Do and then when you come back to do the work, you really hit it hard. You get it done. And then you rest again. Like yeah. it doesn't have to always be go, go, go. Which is what led me to burnout, like to being bedridden yeah. with a stress-related illness because I was constantly doing, doing, doing without the balancing, the other balancing half. And I, as I was saying, right, like the not understanding the ebbs and flows of like the doing and then the waiting, like led me to a place of, you know, complete burnout because I was constantly yeah. forcing. And now that I recognize that part of myself, I know that I need to take a break and then just wait for inspiration to flow back in. And then I go at it hard. And then so riding that rhythm has been like an, a, such an awakening for me, right? That I don't have to keep and forcing. That's your natural energy. That's beautiful. Yeah. See, so and even a defined center can be conditioned by outside forces, right? Yeah. The corporate world conditioning you that you should just keep pushing. I mean, no one should be pushing no matter what their energetic blueprint is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the hustle culture that we've all been indoctrinated yeah. into, right? And understanding where that works yeah. for you and where that doesn't work for you. Because when I'm hustling, I'm hustling. <laughs> but when I'm resting, I'm resting, right? And a classic example of that was I was on vacation for a few weeks. I went on vacation for like three weeks and I had all these big intentions. I was like, oh, I'm going to spend time working and I'm going to, you know, balance between doing the things on vacation and then doing some work. And then I got on vacation and I was like, Nope. I need to like literally use this time to pull back. But there was a part of me that wanted to be like, well, well you know, there's stuff that has to get done. This has got to happen. This has got to happen. Right. And it took me right. a while, like the first probably week of vacation to fully give myself permission to be like, shut it off, just shut it down. Right. Yeah. So again, yeah. like understanding those rhythms of how we work and how we work best and how our energy works. And then you know, holding that up against the situation that we are in and deciding like, okay, how do I make this situation work for me? Or do I need a complete change? Right? Like those are the areas like in the place of reinvention, right? Like understanding those areas and how they're working for you and not working for you can give you insight as to why you feel like you don't fit in that place anymore. And as you go to reinvent yourself or your situation, like how do I make it work better with me? And what changes do I actually need to make? 
So mm-hmm. such a powerful tool because, you know, I say this all the time on the podcast and people listening have heard me say this, right? This time of our lives in midlife is where we come back to the most authentic version of who we are, because that is where our gifts are. And for the most part of our life, we've been busy with careers and kids and doing, 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 doing. And now we've reached this place where it's like, okay, I'm refocusing from all of the things that I'm doing for other people. And I'm now focusing all of my energy on me. Right. And this is where human design has been such an incredibly powerful tool for getting to know and reconnecting. And in some places, connecting for the first time with parts of me that have been lost in the conditioning. That's beautifully said. Yeah, Yeah. beautifully said. And then diving in even deeper, you know, in different sessions and my offerings, I help people find what does this incarnation cross mean? Like, what is that? That is technically supposed to help you on your path of your life purpose. So especially at that midlife reinvention, you want to do something that's fulfilling that actually your soul is here to do. And it's so amazing that it gives you that roadmap. It's just incredible. Okay. Say more about that because I see this thing all the time too, where midlife for men often is a crisis of identity. And for women, midlife is often a crisis of meaning in that And not to make either one of them right or wrong, but just saying most of the women who come into my world are like, what am I doing with my life? What does it all mean? Like, I hear this question all the time. So tell me a little bit about how this incarnation cross helps us define that. And what does that look like for me, for example? Use me as an example. Yeah, it's beautiful. So first of all, the incarnation cross is, like I said, like a theme of like what your soul is here to lean into, like what your Mm -hmm. purpose is, what you're here to learn, what you're here to evolve into. So it could be an area of personal growth. It could be an area of interpersonal growth, which is like, um, you know, like relationship, like you're here to help people versus you're here to evolve as a person. Like there's, there's one other, but that's the two main ones that I keep coming across in my readings. And I have an entire book here, every single page is an incarnation cross. There are 64 times three. I don't know what that math is. It's a big Different variations of an incarnation cross. What is it? Oh, I said, it's a big number. I'm not a math person. It's a big number, yes. (laughs) I'm not very good at that kind of math. So yours is 41 left angle cross of the alpha. And of course, I knew it would be interpersonal because you have, again, another thing that I dive in in the offerings of when I read someone's chart in my offerings is your profile, which is a whole other theme of who you are. So you are a role model hermit, just to let you know. So the role model is very like coach oriented. You're a role model. You just being inspires people to be also their best. So your incarnation cross, your life theme is of course interpersonal. So I'll just read the first paragraph, but to give you, oh my gosh, to give you some amazing famous people who have the same incarnation cross, which always helps too. It's like, what are they doing right? Paul Newman, Ellen DeGeneres, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Oh, they all had the same esteemed company. (laughs) Yes. You're an esteemed company. So your life theme is to lead. Oh, the alpha is the leader of the pack. And your role is to impact many people who are looking for practical influence in their lives, which I think your podcast is already doing right. You have a gift for resolution, both through mentally examining all sides of a situation and by instinctively recognizing patterns of motivations and behaviors, Mm. which I think comes from your superpower in your open identity center. Your life theme inevitably puts you into positions of influence, yet the quality of your life and your leadership hinges on clarifying to whom and to what you commit at any given time. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So we each have our own special incarnation cross. So I love that. It's actually very affirming for me. And I actually hadn't heard that before with this, like that kind of like life path thing. And it's very reaffirming for me because it's like, you know, big part of like, I have like, I consider what I do in my business part of a mission, like much bigger mission. It's not just like me and my business and earning money, right? It's about changing the cultural narrative about how women who are aging see themselves, right? And so when you reflect back to me, you know, leading, that's that like, I feel very affirmed by that, that like, okay, I'm on this thing, like I'm supposed to be leading the way to this thing, as opposed to just like being in my own business enough to make money. 
right? Because money yeah. has never been a motivator for me. <laughs> it's got to be like, I have to, it's got to fit a big picture. Yes, absolutely. So understanding that just feels very affirming <laughs> to me and this mission that I have, right? Like it's actually naturally inherently part of me and it's not necessarily only ego-based because for a while I kind of made myself wrong for that being like, oh, well, who do you think you are? You got a pretty big ego that you think you can, <laughs> right? And that's like the, the flip side, the little chatter in my head where I'm, you know, when I'm in fear and doubt, that's the chatter in my head. But what you just said to me was like, oh, now I can just remind myself that I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this. This is the way it's supposed to be. So fear gremlins, go sit down, go make me a coffee, go make me lunch, go, you know, go do something. Wow. So, okay. This has been an incredibly lightning conversation personally, but having this conversation with you and how we can apply our charts to the process of reinvention and how we can use it to support our re- the reinvention process has also been incredibly eye-opening. Again, like I'm taking away stuff for myself and I hope those of you who are listening, you know, are taking away the ideas about how this can be used. Like as you want to get to know your own chart yeah. and then how you can actually put it into play to support getting to know yourself better, figuring out your most authentic way of being. And then what are your gifts and how should you share them? Like you just answered yeah. all the questions right there with the human design chart. <laughs> like. It really is all right there. And it's beautiful because I shifted from my career as an interior designer who wanted something more fulfilling, more spiritual into being an author and a coach and a spiritual mentor. I even host live meditations on an app. And it all came from like, what am I here to do? Like I really studied like all those people who I shared my incarnation cross with because mine was a little bit more elusive than yours. And I was like, what does this mean? And so it all helped me to find myself on this path. Mm-hmm. And even in my channels, it was like, I have that specific channel to find for production, essentially. Like I have a really good ear. So podcasting, that's why it makes so much sense. And that's why I can get thousands and thousands of downloads on a podcast episode and two views on YouTube. Like it's just my energy and that's where I should go because that's defined right. in my center, right? It's like, so where do you put your energy and follow your chart? Interesting. Oh, okay. So where should my listeners go to download their chart and to have you walk them through it? Because this is gold, pure gold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am happy to uh, download their chart. I'll send you a summary via email and then send you a link that you can book a free 20 minute Q&A call once you read through it. And I can talk through more of your chart with you ravenscott.show. The form is right there on the page. You can listen to the podcast as well there. Yeah, everything's there. Okay. We'll make sure that we put this in the show notes. And I personally will be revisiting this with you. You just opened a few more doors in my brain that like need to be explored. So I'm going to definitely book another reading. And this is the thing, people, anybody who is delving into human design for the first time, it's one of those things like it's so in depth that you have to kind of take it a little bit at a time, or at least I did, right? Like to fully understand it, integrate it. And then I go back to the well and be like, okay, what next do I need to know? Right. So you know, when we covered down kind of those top three things, like if those are the things that you take away from your first exposure to human design, like a great place to start and then work with those and see how they feel for you and then go back to learn more about it. I mean, this is probably my third or fourth time back revisiting my chart. And every time I come back to it, another piece of the puzzle falls into place. So yeah. Anybody listening who is got this question about like, why do I feel so crappy where I am? What do I need to change? Where do I need to go next? Human design is a crucial tool in your toolbox to get there. So go visit Raven Scott. I'm going to put all of the information in the show notes and get that human design chart. And yeah, it's an incredible tool. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Raven, for having this conversation with us today and for enlightening me on some more things about myself. It was a pleasure enlightening you and just allowing you to be seen and heard. Yeah, it's a pleasure to go through the chart and share with everyone here in the audience just how powerful human design is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's always. So to everybody listening, go download your chart, go visit Raven. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great honor if you would give us a rating or review and let us know what you found helpful about this. And even more importantly, if you share this episode with a friend or a family member or a coworker that you think might get something out of it, we would love for you to do that. So until next time. Or your partner. Or your partner. Actually, <laughs> like really honey, good point. We pull our together. <laughs> really good point. I am so doing pulling his chart tonight. And we will be exploring the relationship dynamic of our charts. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. So thanks for listening today. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.